Hello, listeners. This is Money Chris from Too Many Captains. The Derek Duvall Show is proud to offer family-friendly quality shows. However, for this episode, some mild language may be used, such as fudge or heck, maybe even a few shazbots. Listener discretion is advised. Powered by Transistor FM. It's the Derek Duvall Show. A show about the best of humanity with guests from all professions and walks of life. Pop culture, interesting news, and hot takes. Now, here's the number one host in your hearts, Derek Duvall. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, and happy Kwanzaa to you all. Welcome to episode seven of your new favorite show, the Derek Duvall Show. Man, do we have a cracking good episode in store for you today. This is the Jeopardy episode where we talk with two former contestants at the Fan Game Show, Jeff Brown and Tim Edwards. They discuss the process of getting on the show and reflections on meeting the late, great Alex Trebek. Trust me, this is some good stuff, but fair warning, Turd Ferguson sadly does not make an appearance, so let's manage our expectations just a hair. I want to thank you all for such great feedback on episode 6. The last Blockbuster episode was a huge success and with the highest listening numbers we have had yet. If you haven't checked out their film, you won't want to wait. Find it on all streaming services right now. I can't believe we are so close to the holidays and we now have a COVID-19 vaccine. I guess miracles really do happen. So let's not waste any time. Let's start the show. At the time of this recording, the news came yesterday that game show legend Alex Trebek had lost his nearly one-year-long battle with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Tributes from all over the world have been pouring in, but I wanted to take a unique approach and speak to someone who has actually been in the presence of the great man. Please welcome to the show for the first time, Jeopardy contestant, my birthday buddy, and an all-around amazing guy, Mr. Jeff Brown. Thank you. Jeff, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm dandy. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm trying to stay as healthy as possible. Understandable. I'm trying to stay as unhealthy as possible. <laughs> so I'm drinking straight, unice vodka out of a coffee cup. Outstanding. I always ask the first question, <laughs> um, how is the COVID world treating you? Uh, it's, you know, I'm, uh, there's ups and downs. Like, I'm ashamed to say it, but I've always been a enormous introvert. So the ability to stay at home has been wonderful for me. Like I feel energized all the time now because I don't have to deal with a lot of people. But other, I mean, you know, adjusting to working from home, which I know I'm lucky enough to do, uh, extremely lucky for that. And then for a while there, my girlfriend had uh, COVID, which was, uh, I never got it. Like we're in very close proximity. I never caught it. So I don't know what happened there. But I, I completely forgot that. Wow. That was, that was not yeah. what, a couple months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, June. Oh, wow. Like around, I think right after or right before um, Trump came to Tulsa uh, was her uh, positive test. And I just assumed, I was like, well, I'm going to, uh, or can I curse on yeah, this show? Go ahead. Let me ask. I, I bleep it all out anyway. Well, <laughs> well it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get it anyway. So who cares? But then I just never. At least the one test I took came back negative. So, and you know, luckily she had like a relatively mild form. But... I remember um, her, what was it, Instagram basically, like a daily update 
Um, yeah, yeah. That was the vodka. Wasn't it the vodka story? That's right. Yeah, that's I right. remember that. Very, very and clever. It was. It was crazy. Like she could not. She couldn't taste the vodka. But once it hits your throat, it, it burns horribly. That was so. yeah. That's incredible. I, yeah, I forgot yeah, all wild. about that. And she still can't like she still can't taste or smell a lot of stuff. But, really? Uh, yeah. Even if you even like everybody's like, well, it's a it's a ninety nine percent survival rate. Well, yeah, but it's gonna fuck up your life uh, in different ways. So mm. don't try to get it. That's oh. all I'm saying. Yeah. No argument there. All right, so like we said in the beginning, what, about a year or two ago now, you actually got to be on Jeopardy. I'm trying to remember when, because I, I recorded it, I, the episode was recorded in, I think, November of 2016, and then it aired in March of 2017, I think. I believe that might be right, yes. Or, or maybe, or maybe a, a year after that, but yeah. Uh, November and March. Yeah, I got to fail on Jeopardy. So take us through the process. I mean, obviously, I've, I've known you for a long time. You're a very, very intelligent mm-hmm. man. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. So take us through the process. Like, hey, I just, you know, I want to be on Jeopardy. Uh, I guess you fill out an application. You submit a resume. How does that go exactly? Yeah, I mean, I'd always loved Jeopardy. I've always been a huge uh, trivia nerd. Done a lot of, like, uh, academic bowl in high school where you already have the buzzer. Uh, and then they they do an online test. They've been doing an online test since I was in college. So I think that was like probably like 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. So I just took this test. Every time they had an online test, I just took it. Like you, it's uh, like a 25 question timed test. And it's basically, you just have to assume that people are not cheating on it. Like it, they don't really give you enough time to answer each question to like look it up on Google, but you just kind of have to do it on your honor. And then if you score above a certain percent on that online test, they invite you in for a uh, in-person test. And I got lucky because this one was in Oklahoma City. So it's only like a a couple hours from me. Usually they're in bigger cities further away. Like a lot of people came to uh, Oklahoma City from Austin, from Dallas, that sort of thing. But so you go in there and basically all I read about it was like the in-person test is both to check to make sure you didn't cheat on your online test and to make sure that you're not a monster who will break down in front of cameras. <laughs> uh, so they, they like, I don't know, there were probably like 30 people there at my edition and they pull three of you up at a time and just run you through a few questions. And then they also give you a written test just to, I think that was probably 50 questions written within a a certain amount of time like my entire thing was just be gregarious be uh energetic be camera ready so that they'll pick you and then i think it was i think that was in oh man i want to say that was in like may or something and then in august i got a call from i remember it was from a, a california area code so i was like okay this is bullshit I'm not going to answer this. This is somebody looking for money. Uh, So I ignored it. And then I got the uh, message from the producers from Sony Pictures Television asking me to come out. A lot of people think that they fly you out, but that only happens if you are a champion. If if you're a champion, they'll pay for you to come out. Otherwise, you got to pay for yourself. You got to pay for your own room, that sort of a thing. And I was obviously excited and proceeded to tell absolutely no one (laughs) just in case something went horribly wrong. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I've always wanted, like, I've harbored a uh, desire to, like, take a road trip across the United States, like, uh, since I've been able to drive. Uh, so I was like, okay, 
you know what? I can do half the U.S. right now. I can drive from Tulsa, Oklahoma to uh, uh, Studio City, California. Uh, that, let's just say, was a stupid idea. I've driven, uh, I've driven from San Diego to Tulsa. It is not, yeah. it is not for the lighthearted at all. No, and, and I didn't give myself, like, I, you can do it in two days. It's, it's definitely doable, but it is tiring, especially driving through. Like, I'm not, like, a confident driver on, like, mountains or, like, big turns. And, like, crossing the Rockies is just entirely snow and death and, and horrifying <laughs> things. I was planning on getting to Flagstaff the first night, and I had like already bought a hotel room off of Priceline to stay overnight. And then right around Albuquerque, oh, I forgot to say, I the night before I had done uh, an improv comedy show that I did regularly called Hammered, where the idea is if you do too good at improv, you have to take shots to bring yourself down to everyone else's level. And so that Saturday I had gotten deeply shithoused and then the next day at like 6 a.m woken up and and gotten out of town uh so i'm again back to albuquerque i'm leaving albuquerque everything looks like breaking bad uh exactly as i expected it would uh and then it starts to snow and i am like you know i was already nervous about going around these hairpin curves and everything and then the snow was so heavy that it started to look like we were going into hyperspace in Star Wars. And I drove by a cop car that had spun out and gone into a ditch. And at that point, I realized that I was gripping the steering wheel hard enough to like white knuckle it and that I was crying a little bit without realizing it. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make it to Flagstaff tonight. Let me stop here. Uh, I stopped in at like an Indian casino or a native casino and uh, hotel. And I got the very last room that was available at the hotel. Because I think everybody else got caught in the snow like I did. Which is a fun turnabout. Like uh, a very white Irish German man being taken in by the good native people of New Mexico uh made safe so that was pretty nice i got up the next morning drove the rest of the way to uh california got into la got into my uh terrible uh hotel room that i bought for myself because i refused to pay the price for the uh official hotel room and then spent the next like uh i want to say eight to ten hours freaking out about the fact that i was going to be on tv the next day uh, so the next morning i go into uh the uh sony lot which is pretty cool in and of itself. Like you, it's cool to drive up to a gatehouse, tell them what you're there for, and then they wave you through. That's always kind of fun. That is it feels cool. like validation. I feel like that's, isn't that like part of the American dream, at least some level of it? At exactly. Least? Yeah. Give me onto the studio lot, baby. I want in. Give me into Warner Brothers. Uh, but I, I drove in and uh, they, you all congregate, all, all of the uh, uh, contestants kind of congregate in this backstage area uh, where they have free baby bell cheeses, which was pretty nice, and some uh, Jeopardy swag, which is, you know, that's. So, set ahead, the scene. Sorry. Is it is it like one giant pissing contest, like my ego or my, sorry, my, uh, my IQ is bigger than your IQ? Honestly, everybody was really, most people were really sweet, really nice. Because everybody knows, you know, nobody knows how good everyone else is. So, it's just sort of like, all nervous energy and they also identify who the champion was from the week before or the the game before because they've had to come back obviously i don't remember her name but she was really really kind very pretty and she she seemed intimidating number one because she's champion and number two because she's gone through it before so she knows what's happening 
because uh, none of the rest of us do. I'll, I'll be honest, I was nervous about it that I took a couple shots in my car to sort of get ready for it, uh, which is not a good idea. Children, nope. if you're listening to this, don't drink before anything big in your life. That's all I'm saying. So basically, to, to set the scene, you had some Dutch courage, and then you went on Jeopardy. <laughs> right on. Okay. That's, that's, is that what it's called? Dutch courage? Dutch courage, yeah. Yeah, I love it. It was probably urban of some sort. I can't remember now, honestly. <laughs> some four roses, like I'm William goddamn Faulkner or something. <laughs> uh, you go in there. There's a lot of like, uh, the producers were lovely. And I and I realized they're, they're nice because they do this a million times a day. But they were very kind, outgoing, telling you what to do. And then they go into like uh, legal stuff. Because I don't know if everyone has seen uh, the movie Quiz Show with uh, Ray Fiennes and uh, John Turturro. Absolute classic. It's a great movie. Uh, and it's about like the uh, why they had to go into legal stuff with us because there was a scandal where the producers of the show basically gave the answers to a guy who was more charismatic and likable than the guy who was the current champion. So they have to keep you away from like certain people, certain question writers, certain judges. Uh, and that's why I didn't, you don't meet Alex until you are on the stage ready to go, basically. They take you out to the uh, studio, which was, I want to say disconcerting being in the Jeopardy studio. Because everything, like you recognize everything, but everything is a little bit off. Like everything, nothing really feels real about it. But each person gets uh, time at podiums to sort of work through all the stuff, try and get your buzzer rhythm down. And like there's a little platform underneath each person where they can mechanically raise or lower you so that everyone is about the same height all the way across. Oh, I never would have thought uh, about that. That's actually pretty that's actually pretty genius. Yeah, it is pretty neat. Like they don't have to pull out Apple boxes or anything yeah. and they can get it exactly right. Uh, proud to say that I was the tallest one on my thing, so they didn't adjust <laughs> that at all. And then you go up into the stands. The stands at the Jeopardy audience are like it's probably like two thirds friends and family or people who just got off a tourist bus to watch a filming. And then one third uh, of the contestants, like everybody's just sitting there. They uh, draw your name by lottery and they film about, I think five episodes a day. Wow. So on the, they always have extra contestants just because if anything happens, they need to have people available to uh, uh, step in. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance that you might have to stay over until the next day. Mm. And I was just kind of hoping that wouldn't happen. Like I was hoping to win, obviously, but I was hoping that I wouldn't have to start on Tuesday because then that entire day is just like wasted and like my nerves have to go through this ramping up part all over again. It's really fun to watch them film. Like it's clear that everyone there is a, a friggin' pro and knows exactly what they're gonna do when they're gonna do it. And something funny about it is like, you know, uh, I assumed when I watched Jeopardy my entire life that Alex just knew every pronunciation exactly right. He knew exactly what to say when, but the reality is like they'll play the game, but then when they reach a stopping point, they will go back and they'll refilm any answers or questions that Alex mispronounced. Oh, wow. So because they're cutting between the board, the contestants, and Alex, they have time to, like, they have cut places. They have places where they can they can insert videos. So producer will tell Alex, like, or would tell Alex, sadly, that he mispronounced something, and then they'll redo that one. 
Not to say the guy wasn't brilliant, because he obviously was, but it was a, it was an interesting thing to see. That's all. Most people in our circle, we've all seen the Jeopardy episode, and like I said, you you definitely held your own throughout the whole thing. Obviously, they take a break, a little bit of free time with um, Alex, just some friendly back and forth. What what was it you you guys actually talked about? Do you remember? Oh man, uh, I'm trying to remember. Like, are they have the little thing where you uh, you give somebody something to talk about, like the learning meeting the contestants time? Yeah. Which I'm going to be honest with you, every time I watch Jeopardy, if I've got it recorded, I skip that. Like, I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that. Uh, and that was really the hardest part of applying to the show is figuring out, like, five stories that you want to talk about. The gentleman uh, that's they're showing that clip right now over and over again on the Facebook Jeopardy. Uh, of that <laughs> gentleman who he said that Alex is the one of how he learned how to speak English. Yes, I was like, that I, was so that was really moving. I was like, wow, that's what was wild about his death is that it was so surprising. It was I mean, you know, I know that pancreatic cancer is obviously devastating, but the guy filmed up until like October 29th and then he passed away. What the 7th or uh, the 8th? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, that is that is wild. Like he worked and, and I want to make it clear. He is incredible at his job because he comes out, he's on it, he he in between, like they take commercial breaks and like, you know, it's not exact, it's not as long as a commercial break is, but Alex then has to entertain the audience. Huh. So he takes questions or took questions. I hate having to put that in past tense, but he took questions uh, from the audience, talks about his life, talks about anything that's going on in the show, like how everything's working, and was just absolutely lovely guy to speak to. I really cherish the fact that I have a like photo of him and I together. It's a very good photo. And I think you can just see my excitement in the picture <laughs> to see this guy who's been larger than life right next to me. Do you prefer mustache Alec or do you like, you prefer clean shaven Alec? Oh man, that's a good question. I think, honestly, I think I prefer clean shaven Alex. Like for, it was so weird in the beginning, like when he shaved it off, mm -hmm. like I was very uncomfortable. Like, cause I've <laughs> always had a great amount of respect for Alex mm -hmm. uh, or for, sorry, for mustaches and for Alex. Uh, cause my dad has had a mustache my entire life, but to see my dad without a mustache would be about as unsettling as seeing Alex without a mustache was, but I got used to it and I thought it made him look younger, more current, I guess. So those who have seen the show, like I said, we know you, you held your own, you made it all the way to final jeopardy. And if I remember correctly, you're the only one who got the final jeopardy question. Am I correct? That is honestly my, my proudest, uh, achievement is I'm the the only one on the show that got the final Jeopardy. The The problem was that the guy who was the champion on that show was way better at the buzzer than I was. Like a lot of people think it's about like what you know on the show. And obviously to some extent that is. Everybody who's there passed two very difficult trivia tests. But when it comes down to it, everybody who's on the show kind of knows, I want to say like 90% of the answers. But it's the buzzing that gets to you because it's a tv show alex had to read all the way through the question and then after the question there's a guy over at the judges table pushes a button to make the uh to make it possible for people to ring in 
and around the board there's a bunch of lights that light up when it's time to ring in but the thing is if you wait until those lights go off you've already lost like somebody else is already going to be able to get in there before you so i never did figure out the timing on that right and the other guy was just killing it just on top of it every time so you know just imagine your adrenaline's firing you're meeting alex trebek He's a very sweet guy who talks a lot strangely about Barbara Streisand's fingers uh, was one of the topics he brought up, which, you know, if you've been talking to people for 30 years on television, you start to get into some random conversation <laughs> topics. But then like every, and every time, like I'm like, oh, I know this, but I can't get in. And the, the guys just keeps crushing it just again and again and again getting in there so but yeah i got the uh, i got the um final jeopardy about sir arthur, arthur conan, conan doyle, doyle and i was very happy about that here's the thing about me i i consider myself a pretty intelligent guy i i'm i know some really weird trivia about some really weird things i've been all over the world i'm very proud of that the fact that i was able to get the final jeopardy question on your episode i felt like i won the powerball See, because yeah, that whole episode, good, right? That whole episode, I was playing along and I just shit the bed completely. <laughs> I get to the final question and I'm like, holy shit, I know this one. And my wife's like, no, no, it's not true. It's not true. It's like, well, fuck you. Yes, it is. And finally, it was revealed to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I was like, well, fuck you. See, I got it right. So, anyway. But no, it was, and you guys are still married. I to was still day, married. Right? But no, it was uh, that. That was I. I do remember that was like a real highlight. I was like, I got the final Jeopardy question right. Hell yeah! Exactly. That's what I feel to this day. And it's funny, you know. Like honestly, I was like, I I didn't set any expectations for myself. Like I was like, I would love to win, obviously. But all I want to do is just make sure that I get to final Jeopardy. Because if you go into Final Jeopardy with zero or negative, you don't get to play Final Jeopardy. They just take you over to the side and you sit in a chair. But I was like, you know what? That rarely ever happens. It rarely happens. Don't worry about it, Jeff. You're going to get to Final Jeopardy. And then I swear to you, I was on the fifth game that day. The four previous games had a person who didn't get to Final Jeopardy. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, God, just please, for everything that is good and holy, let me not go negative. So That's I awesome. count that as a win. That is a huge win. A win. Yeah. All right. So the show is over. The adrenaline is down. You you go home. Who do you tell? I mean, is there like a is there like a non confidentiality you got to tell, or are you allowed to say, hey, by the way, I spent the weekend with Alex Trebek and I was on Jeopardy. Look for it at a future date. <laughs> I I told my parents and I told them uh, that it didn't go well. Uh, or it went well, but I didn't win. Mm -hmm. I came in second. I didn't tell anybody else. Like, cause they tell you, I, I was like, I, I'm a pretty private guy in and of itself, but like, uh, I don't know if I'm using that phrase correctly. Mm. I didn't want to tell anybody cause I was lightly embarrassed at losing, but also it's a big deal just to be on Jeopardy. Like that's a big thing right there. Mm -hmm. So I didn't tell anybody. And when they sent me my picture, uh, which I think was in like February or like early March, they sent me the picture of uh, Alex and I. Then I put that up on my Facebook and I... Uh, I remember. Yeah, and I, I told... That was basically me telling everybody. And one of my favorite things about that is that one of the people in my Facebook feed said that it was fake because Alex looked like a wax figure. <laughs> and I was like, no. I know that beautiful Canadian man. I know that man, and he's very sweet. Has very soft hands. So obviously, 
you're a, obviously one of the most very, very funny men. I've known you for a very long time. Thank you. you. have a, I'm sure you have a, a leaning towards good comedy. Do you find the irony or coincidence, I, I don't know what proper word to use, that Sean Connery died a few days before <laughs> Alex Trebek? Do you find any humor in that at all? Of course I do. It's, it's, it's you know, I mean, Sean Connery was never on Celebrity Jeopardy. He never had anything to do with it. But the the fact that, that uh, you know, Daryl Hammond's incredible, like, impersonation and Alex Trebek, like, they're, they're tied together forever. So, you know, you're losing two legends in the same week, basically, which is, is kind of sweet. We posted a uh, meme on our show's Twitter page. Someone that sent to me yeah. was uh, a picture of obviously Daryl Hammond's uh, Sean Connery, and the the caption was that moment when you beat your rival to the pearly gates, and underneath it says "Suck it, Trebek." <laughs> See, I just assumed that it would be better for Alex to have outlived him. So <laughs> that's powerful. You gotta, man, you gotta respect the fact that that guy had cancer for more than a year and just kept after it, like, like up until a week before his death that is powerful stuff that is if i if i had cancer i would quit my job immediately but then you know i mean a lot of people were saying too i mean like he got to see you know joe biden win the election you know in, in maybe at least so yeah I mean, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of things that go along with that so I mean, he just represents the the greatness of the Canadian people. So, yeah. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope after COVID settles, we can all get together and be in the same room again because I know we only get to see each other a couple times a year. So Yeah. Well, you know, it's fun to, it's fun to be able to use my second place Jeopardy uh, to get something good out of it other than the $2,000 I won. But yeah. All right. Thanks to Jeff Brown for that awesome interview. We're going to take a quick break to hear a few words from our sponsor and a highlighted fellow podcast, and then we'll be right back with the conclusion of the show featuring Mr. Tim Edwards. See you in a few minutes. Johnny Catch! Oh no! Let's tell Mom it was Billy's mistake. You're making the mistake. Flint! Anyone can have an accident, but lying makes it worse. But Mom will be upset. She'll be even more upset if you lie. And how would you feel if Billy got punished? Face up to what you've done. Don't take the easy way out. We'll tell her we did it. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. This year, we are all looking for the perfect holiday gift. And today, I want to tell you about the gallery. The gallery shop is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now for the holiday season, the gallery is exclusively offering our listeners 25% off your next purchase using the code DUVALL. That's D-U-V-A-L-L. That's 25% off your next purchase at thegallery.com. That's the G-A-L-R-Y using the code DUVALL. The Gallery. Create your perfect space. Hey everyone, I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and we do a podcast about life, love, and hot topics. We're family friendly. Yeah, well, mostly. And you can catch us every week. So subscribe to the Chris and Christine show on your favorite streaming service. And buckle up, Buttercup, because you're in for some fun. Some fun? Oh yeah, that sounds fantastic. Okay, I'd like to welcome my guest to the Derek Duvall Show, a brilliant mind, a talented poker player, 
and an incredibly warm and friendly man, Mr. Tim Edwards. <laughs> I'd say you're half right on that. <laughs> Tim, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I can't complain. So uh, I asked my first guest uh, the, the very obvious question in the world that we're living in right now. How is the COVID world treating you? Um, not great. I had a, uh, I have a trivia company. We put on events at bars and stuff like that. And we shut that down in March and have stayed closed uh, since then. And it's not looking like we'll be back to doing that anytime soon. Uh, so that's been a, a, a bummer. I did get COVID myself um, last month, uh, and my wife and youngest son also had it. So thankfully, it was very mild and wasn't didn't impact us too negatively. But um, you know, uh, between those two things, um, we've been lucky that uh, it hasn't really touched anybody in my circle or, or, or any of my family. So well, you're very very lucky. I've I've, I've interviewed some guests that just uh, haven't had such a uh, pleasant experience with it, uh, not so much as a mild dose, but a very heavy go at it. So, yeah, yeah very, very lucky. So, yeah. obviously, um, I brought you on. Uh, you are a former Jeopardy contestant, is that correct? That is correct. All right. So, I asked this question: um, At what point in your life did you think that you know I should go on Jeopardy? I think I'm smart enough; I can do it. Probably sometime in the last ten years or so. Like I, I've always been a good trivia player. I remember watching the show growing up, especially over at my grandmother's. My grandmother always had it on, um, and then feel like I just it dawned on me like, hey, I should try out for it. And so started taking the online test and, and trying to get on, and eventually made it after probably about five or six years of trying. Um, you you obviously I'm sure there's a rigorous application test. You know, I mean they obviously don't want someone who actually just, you know, faked it till they make it. So tell us about the, right. tell us about the application process, how that, how that was. Okay. So the way it was, they've, they've since modified this in, in the age of COVID. Um, but the way it was is you would, they would have an online test and they would give it like once or twice a year and they'll have a week where you can, you can take it at different times. You take the online test, it's 50 questions. You have 15 seconds to read and answer each question. They, it, it, there's a certain if, if you score over a certain number correct, if you get a certain number correct, then you're put in a hat basically. And they pick randomly out of that hat for the next step, which is an audition. Um, they hold auditions in five or six cities across the, the US and you kind of pick which one you wanna to go to. I was lucky enough that I got drawn finally and uh, went down to Austin for an audition. Uh, the audition, you take another test they also talk to you as a group. They kind of go over the rules of Jeopardy. They play a little game, ask some questions, like game questions to the group. And then you get to do like a mock Jeopardy game where you are up against two people. They've got a board. You get to pick it. There's daily doubles, all that stuff. After that audition, they send you home and they're like, OK, well, for the next 18 months, we'll either call you or we won't. <laughs> like you never really know, you know, you, you don't really know how you did. You don't know really what they're looking for. Like it, you just very unsatisfying and frustrating in that way. But it was fun just to go do the audition. You know, I mean, like that, if that's all I did, it still would have been great. But um, about 10 months later, 11 months later, I got uh, a call and they said, hey, do you want to come out and record a show? And I said, yeah. And in, in fact, 
today as we're recording this is the two-year anniversary of me being there for my first wow the first day yeah wow i have to ask this question about the the audition do they they look for people with any kind of like you know you know like prices rights and stuff like that they're always looking for some sort of uh personality you know something that will bring warmth to the tv do they ask for something like that or is it just basically come in do your stuff and then head home no i think they're definitely looking for that i think i think there's two things that i think they're looking for in the audition one to make sure you didn't cheat to get to that point that you're to confirm your that you're a decent trivia player and that you're not going to be a basket case on tv and uh, those are the two things they're looking for and you know even like in my group for example when i when I went down for my audition in Austin and they had several groups that they auditioned that day, but in my group, there was one guy who was very sort of like, Oh, it was very, it was, it was a, like a 10 AM or 8 AM. I don't know. It was an early morning on like a Sunday or Saturday morning uh, meeting. He was just very active and talking to everybody and being like, Oh, Hey, you know, the mayor of the room. And I was like, man, if, if that's what you have to be to get on there, I'm, I just can't turn on that much, you know, but, uh, and he was the first one to get selected to go on from my group, but, uh, yeah, they're looking for people who are, who are charismatic and interesting. You know, they, their first job is to put on a TV show yeah. and make it entertaining. And so that's, that's what they're looking for. So you get the phone call, you've been selected. Do you tell your family or you're like, holy shit, I just made it to Jeopardy. Do they, is there, or is there like some sort of like confidentiality that they make you keep? There's not any confidentiality that we could keep about being selected. Uh, I told uh, my family instantly called them and freaked out. The confidentiality comes with, uh, they tell you not to tell anybody about the results of it, but they also don't really do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I used to joke after my thing, people would always ask, well, tell me, did you win or not? And I was like, well, if I tell you, Alex Trebek will appear and, and <laughs> smite me. So. so tell us about, you know, the trip to California, I mean, obviously, I'm sure that you're just like, you know, here's your date. Do they pay for your 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 travel, your lodgings, or is it just they pay for nothing? Pay for nothing. They pay for nothing. You're, I mean, you go out there, you're guaranteed $1,000 because that's the third place prize. But yeah, they don't pay for anything. I went out with my wife and I've got two sons. We all went out there. We stayed in the, they, they give you a couple of double trees that are not very far from the studio that you that they recommend you stay at so we went out there took it easy the night before went to bed early wanted to get be well rested and the morning of the the taping so so you go down there and and i was down there for a tuesday and wednesday tapings they take five episodes in a day went down there woke up tuesday morning got dressed got got my clothes ready my bags and uh went downstairs expecting to see a bunch of people also with their stuff mm -hmm. And I'm looking around and nobody's here. And I'm like, what, what did I miss the bus? Did hmm. I miss the, the, the shuttle? And I go over to like the host at the restaurant and he's like, yeah, Jeopardy people are gone. They're you're, you're late, man. I'm like, shoot. So I get a cab to the studio and luckily made it in time, but I was worried I'd blown my chance to be on Jeopardy by uh, missing the shuttle mm. that morning. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So what's it like uh, to actually get onto the lot? I mean, obviously it's, you know, the lot is, you know, is showcased in movies. It's kind of an iconic, you know, right. Studio right. It's lot. the old Warner Brothers lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's security that you have to, to get through. Luckily, Jeopardy is kind of the Jeopardy and Will Fortune studios are, are close to the entrance and right next door to each other. Then they, they came out and got me and um, they take you to the green room 
where they have you sign some papers and stuff like that and you meet the other contestants and a lady named maggie speak was the contestant coordinator when i was there she's since retired but um she talks to you and and kind of goes over all the rules and everything and one of the things i've kind of envisioned was kind of like you know the scene in top gun uh where the pilots are all meeting at that navy bar and you're like, who's the best of the best? And you're looking around, you know, you see Iceman, you see, you know, Hollywood and stuff like that. Is it, is it kind of like that? You kind of feel each other out? It, it is in some ways, yeah. Like you're looking around to seeing like who who's who. And I walked in late and I don't know if I missed the intro, but like I, I was like, okay, who's the defending champion here? And I was like trying to figure that out. But also like the energy in that room is was so great. Like I loved, it was a bunch of uh, nerdy but sociable people who were nervous and excited and it was it's just like nothing else i've ever been a part of it's cool a lot of times i, I feel like i meet trivia players and i'm like oh these people are my tribe like i understand them they're gonna understand me and i it felt very much that way uh that morning it was it was a, you know, a cool energy in that room so what is it like before we get into the actual being on the show, I have to ask this question, obviously, because you do run trivia and stuff like that. When you guys are walking around, you guys are running around in your own group. Is it kind of like the gunslinger? All of a sudden, will throw a random trivia question at you, and you're like, "Holy shit! If I don't get this right, I'm gonna look like a, you know, like a complete amateur." You know, is that what it's like? You constantly on your guard when you're around other trivia players? No, and, and I think part of that is because when you have a community that's based around a competitive enterprise like that i think it can easily feel like there's some haves and haves not have nots right and genuine effort in that in the trivia community to be inclusive and not make it feel that way because it's very easy for that to happen and so i i don't think there's much of 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 that so you get on. so you get on the show they put you in the podium i'm sure you're looking around, it's like, wow, it's just like on TV. Is it, is it the audience? I mean, what, what kind of intimidation factor is that? You know, I, I didn't feel intimidated. I felt nervous and kind of on edge, but I think it helped me. I wasn't in, intimidated as much. I was just kind of awed, you know, like, like seeing that place run and, and how they do the game and meeting some of these people. And, you know, it's a game that's, that's, it's something that's at the pinnacle of its thing, you know. I mean, Jeopardy is the greatest game show that's ever been. I, I don't feel like that's a controversial statement. Like, there's a reason it's so successful, and uh, just to see a bunch of people working on something that's at the top, it was was really cool. So I, I wasn't as much intimidated as I was. I was awed. I think that's a good point that you've made. I mean, you do think of other game shows of, in terms of longevity. You've got Wheel of Fortune, Price is Right. But yeah, Jeopardy is definitely one that, that stands out as, um, you know, it's it, is, it takes itself seriously. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, there's the quiz show elements of it where I'm sure, you know, you don't get to talk to the, you know, the producers or the host very much, you know, just to right. escape that scandal. But yeah, I, I definitely, I concur with that statement that Jeopardy definitely might be the greatest game show ever created. I, I think that's a fair assessment. Let's get to the big, the big question of all we all want to know. How does uh, Alex Trebek enter the studio? Is there fanfare? Is there mist and dry ice, or is he just casually walks out? Casually walks out. Basically, I mean, I mean, I don't think. I'm trying to remember if before we taped anything, if he came out. I don't know that he did. So I think the first time anybody sees him is when it's like, okay, roll tape, and you hear the Jeopardy theme music. You hear Johnny Gilbert's voice introducing him and the contestants and then introducing him and then he just walks out and you see him and he starts to show 
in between it, during the commercial breaks, he loves coming out and talking to the, to the audience and taking questions and that kind of thing. But the first time anybody sees him is when he's, it's time to go. I got to ask, like, what was your impression? Obviously, you see him interacting with the audience and stuff like that. What's, what's your impression of uh, your first, you know, your first time you meet him? You know, that what you see on TV is what you get. You know, he, he, he was very, his humor was very dry and self-deprecating and, and he'd kind of like giving people some and, and, and playing around. And he did that with the audience, but it, it really didn't seem like you were peeking behind any curtain. It just felt like that's who he was and what you see is, is uh, exactly how he is. What's your best memory of him during the show? Was there any kind of like, you know, a funny joke or was there a, like a funny anecdote or anything like that? Not during my show. After the game, he came over. You know, and, and was talking to us, and and I had I think run a category, and he com commented on how well I did in that category, and that was pretty much it. There's not a whole lot. The, the interaction you see with the contestants is almost entirely what you see on TV, and there's different reasons for that. I posted a poll on our Twitter page. Which Alex Trebek do you prefer? Do you prefer mustache or non-mustache Trebek? Oh, that's a good question. I'd I'd say I kind of prefer mustache or beard. Trebek, but you know, a man's facial hair is his, his own <laughs> thing. So, <laughs> so uh, how did you do on the show? I mean, what? How did you finish? Uh, I finished third, but I was leading going into Final Jeopardy, and I missed Final Jeopardy, and my opponents both got it. So, I was very close to winning, but not close when it mattered. What was the Final Jeopardy question? Do you remember? Yes, it was. 20th century literature was the category, and the question was something along the lines of, this author began writing this book, her first set outside of Canada in 1984. So from the clue, if you if you take that apart, what, you, what, what it's saying is uh, it's either a Canadian author or someone who sets a bunch of stories in Canada, but really that's uh, directing you towards a dystopian novel. Mm. That's, a, that, that's what that clue means if you take the question apart. So I knew those things, and I think if I'd had five minutes to answer, I think I might have been able to pull it. But in the 30 seconds up there, I I, I couldn't. Uh, the answer is The Handmaid's Tale. Ah. Yeah. Ah. And so I, I always tell this to people and uh, because it's just, it, I think it's kind of hilarious. So Yeah, especially for uh, 1984. That's, that's, that's very, um, yeah, wow. Right. So, and as I, I, I left the studio, went home, was messing around on Facebook, just kind of like, you know, bummed. And that very day, Margaret Atwood, the author that they were talking about, announced that she was writing a sequel. Oh, wow. To, so it was like, I was like, okay, a, this is just going to be in my face forever. This is an interview full of coincidences today. So. Right. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. So I got to ask a question, guys. I, I forgot to ask this in my other interview. Do you actually hear the music in the studio or is that put in post-production? Oh, no, you hear it in the studio. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, all right. So I got to ask you, obviously, you, you got your photograph with Alec. I mean, I will post that on the um, Twitter page. What did you take away from this experience? I mean, one, just I love, uh, like, the fulfillment of a lifelong dream was, was certainly one of them. But also, like, I've, I've made, I made friends from my taping groups that I still talk to on the reg today. And I, I play trivia with some of them online. Definitely friends that I met that day. The Jeopardy community is very active on Facebook. There's a Jeopardy contestant Facebook group. Um, and that's a lot of fun uh, because again, like I said, the, the, these those are my people. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's kind of like being in the military a little bit because, you know, you've all shared a common experience that the rest of the population has not had the privilege of doing. Right. For sure. Yeah. All right. So I got to ask, obviously, um, a couple of weeks ago, we lost Alex Trebek. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Oh, I was sad. I was bummed. I, 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 I was in some ways prepared for it. I mean, it was it, it, it happened kind of out of the blue, but I was more upset and emotional when he announced that he had it that, that it really hit me then and um you know bummed but also excited to see all the stuff about about his life and the retrospectives and and i mean the guy lived an enviable life and a, an honorable life and it was it was cool seeing all that and talking about it we'll end this on a kind of a fun note what did you find about the irony that um sean connery passed away uh, a couple of days before Alex Trebek, known you know, celebrity jeopardy and stuff like that. Right. I, th I, I mean, I, th I thought it was funny, you know, that, you know, I, I think they never met in real life, but they were forever connected by those sketches. You know, it's funny stuff. I've read some interviews uh, in the last couple of weeks. Apparently Connery was, was quite flattered that um, they actually used his character. But obviously, like you said, yes, they never met. But uh, I, I've heard that Alex Trebek used to get questions about it all the time. Like, did you, did you piss off? Sean Connery in another life or something like that. So. <laughs> well, and like it became such a thing, like there were a couple times where contestants referenced them in, in like Final Jeopardy when they didn't know it. They, like I think somebody once said suck a Trebek on there or something <laughs> like that. So all right, it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I got to ask, um, we're going to bring this interview to a close. I asked my guests all the same question. If the entire planet was listening to this particular episode, what is the one thing that you would like to say to them and, and convey some sort of message to the world? Knowledge is good, and you should be kind. That's what I would want everybody to take away. All right. Mr. Tim Edwards, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. Well, that was an awesome show. I want to thank both... Jeff and Tim for appearing on it. Man, I tell you, what a what a truly great walk down memory lane. Well, this is my last show of the year 2020, and I think I speak for the billions on the planet that we hope the door hits 2020 on the ass on its way out. In our first show of 2021, we will have a uber secret blockbuster guest, but to set up the anticipation, this guest has had a front row seat to much of rock and roll for the past 60 years. Trust me. This is a landmark episode, and I cannot wait to tell you who it is. Legend status here, folks. Think legend. A huge congratulations to Chris and Christine of the show of the same name. They got hitched a few weeks ago, and the podcasting community were absolutely thrilled. May their home be filled with love, laughter, as they celebrate their happy ever after. Well, on behalf of the Derek Duvall Production Office, we want to wish you all a safe holidays. Be sure to grab that special someone and plant a big kiss on them under the mistletoe. May your holidays be free of COVID-19 and all unnecessary drama. As a salty old sailor and a veteran, I understand the hardships faced by military men and women and the burden it places on families at home, especially around the holidays. We want to extend each of you our best and that we keep all on the front lines, both at home and overseas, in our thoughts this Christmas. So from Mrs. Duvall, our pup's Gracie, Brody, and Bowie, and yours truly, Derek Duvall, be safe, be well, and this holiday season, let's heal this divide we all feel. On that note, we want to leave you with this 
Copyrighted by NBC Clip under the Fair Use Act. All rights reserved. Finally, Mr. Connery, the category was numbers, and you wrote a letter V. Well, I tell you what, my friend, V is a Roman numeral, so despite your best efforts, you answered correctly. Let's see what you wagered. Suck it, Trebek. Well, that's that for 2020. Merry Christmas, and see you in two weeks, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please follow us on social media to stay up to date on releases and important news. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show, and use the hashtag, I'm with DD.